Hello, hello. Welcome back to 8-Bits, y'all. Brandon, how you doing? It's Wednesday. That's <laughs> so good. Oh, yes, it is Wednesday. It's the favorite, favorite type of week. And uh, yeah, I've been working on a lot of code stuff this week, which is always nice. It's always nice to get heads down back into code. Is some, yeah, Sometimes your week's just full of you know, meetings and boring stuff. But yeah, I got the, got the thumbs up from my boss and said, yeah, you know, in, enjoy the code. So. <laughs> Coding it up. Yeah. Yeah. How have you been? How's your week? Oh, good. I've been doing some, I've been doing some coding stuff too. Um, in particular, I've been playing around with two things. I've been playing around with GitHub pages, which is my Ooh. favorite recommendation now for folks when they're like, how do I just make a free website? How do I just make like a static landing page thing. So I've been kind of playing around with that and uh, no spoilers, but I've, I'm very inspired by previous guest of the show, B. Dougie, Brian Douglas, who uh, I, I believe used, it wasn't GitHub pages, but something similar to do a MySpace top eight type thing um, on GitHub. Yeah. So I'm, I, that's why I'm rocking the uh, kind of the nineties choker here, early two thousands choker, because I've been feeling very nostalgic lately. I was listening to some Backstreet Boys right before we went live. Um, and I kind of want to, I'm, I'm in the process of building something fun with GitHub pages, just to do a little tutorial on how to make something simple, you know, especially if you're a job seeker looking for work or putting a portfolio together. It's just a really great way to, you know, you get one free with every repo that you make. So easy peasy. Um, yeah. So some content coming on that very soon. I know you love GitHub, Brandon. <laughs> I do. I do. I mean, you have the official app of the show, Get Trends. That oh, yes. GitHub. <laughs> the official app uh, of the show, uh, sponsored by Brandon. <laughs> by me. It's a free app. But uh, yeah, no, I've been uh, getting getting to play around with Azure Functions again, and yes. it's it's really exciting, especially in in our .NET world because uh, they have support for .NET five, uh, and they've got this roadmap for .NET six and .NET seven and .NET eight coming out, and so uh, there's some we'll say some some big changes, exciting changes. Um, one of the one of the things back in the day, Azure Functions used to be, at least for .NET, um, your code would run on the same .NET runtime as Azure Functions. So Azure Functions, okay. the, the app, the tool that's running in Azure, needed to run .NET. And so, so initially, when it was first created years ago, they said, hey, easy. You know, we'll just let anybody who wants to use C Sharp and .NET, they'll just use the same runtime. But now... Um, they totally separated those. So they have this new thing called the out of process or .NET isolated runtime where now I can choose whatever version of .NET I want and my code will kind of work in this isolated bubble, whereas it doesn't have to rely on Azure Functions um, to update their runtime. And so I can update mine. I can be on newer major versions, newer patch releases of .NET and Azure, the Azure Functions team can slowly do their migrations because you know they have more code and more customers and things to worry about than than just me so yeah finally uh, getting to play around with that and publishing functions using 
the latest version of .NET, .NET 5, which is Ooh, always exciting. <laughs> We've got some Azure Functions hype in the chat. Yay, Azure Functions. Hey, Squeaky. Um, I, Friend of the show. I feel like we're we're like having opposite journeys because I spent a bunch, a bunch of time my first couple of years at Microsoft working with Azure Functions. And now I'm obsessed with Logic Apps um, in particular. The actual reason that I'm wearing one of these early Y2K chokers on the show. <laughs> um, I, as I've mentioned on the show many times before, have been building these bots, Brandon. They're very important bots. They are all 90s, early 2000 uh, music and pop references. Um, you can go to the link aka.ms slash it's currently May. And uh, this all started out as kind of like a fun thing to teach previous guests of the show, PJ, just how easy it was to make a bot with like low code, no code, but still do it like through Azure. Um, so I first made It's Britney Bots, which is a very, very <laughs> simple bot that I used to building Azure Logic apps. I built it in about 10 minutes with PJ. Um, but it, literally all it does is every day at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, it tweets It's Britney Bots. Um, I then got inspired by all of the different bots we were making together on stream and decided to make another Logic App bot. And there's a blog post. I'll be writing about this very, very soon. You can now follow the Twitter account. Uh, is it May yet, I believe? Uh, or let's see. It's uh, the Twitter account you can follow is called Is It Gonna Be May? Which, of course, is a <laughs> pop culture reference to the song... And don't worry, I have it queued up and we're only going to play five seconds, so we won't get in trouble. The very pop popular meme, it's it's going to be May, that happens. Uh, of course, it is now May 5th, so here's a little sound bite. Oh, here we go. It's going to be May. So uh, <laughs> I built this bot to remind you when it is May and when it is not May. So I built this in the days leading up to May 1st, um, and it was tweeting out every day at the same time, it's going to be May. And then for the month of May, it will be tweeting to remind you it's currently May um, for the remainder of the month. And this was honestly a bot I built in about five minutes. It's it's so easy to build a logic app, especially if you've ever dealt with the Twitter API or had to build any backend, you know how like how much time it takes to like put together a bot. So really simple, easy way to build a bot. Um, you can check out how to get started at aka.ms slash it's currently May. Um, <laughs> but I've just been on this fun uh, bot kick lately, building all these bots to help students learn how to automate their botting with the power of 90s pop music. <laughs> yeah, it is fun because I, I too have uh fallen in love with azure logic apps which is again how you made this twitter bot and yeah i remember when i first heard about azure logic apps and somebody told me like yeah you, you don't have to write any code and uh you can just kind of drag and drop stuff and my first thought was back to um what was it called back then i think it's called dreamweaver where you would build websites and it would automatically generate the code for you but like it didn't yes. like it worked but it didn't really work and if you ever looked at the code, like the code was just ugh, like you could tell it was auto generated code. We'll just put it that way. Um, and so you'd have to go in and clean it up. But um, but yeah, when I first tried out Logic Apps, I kind of went into it the same I, same approach. And I was like, ah, 
I already know how to write code. I know how to do this. I don't need a drag and drop interface. I'm I'm smarter than that. I'm a developer. But... I can start from square one. And build... <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, if that's what it's for, but, right? <laughs> but then it was so easy and same. Like I, I too played around with Twitter bots and have one up and running in just a couple minutes. And it's like, oh, oh, I get it. This is a lot easier. <laughs> the coolest part and i think you know over the last like couple months um when pj and i were doing kind of a stream series on on how to build bots there was a very big difference between using an azure logic app it taking 10 minutes and literally going huh that was easy we're done and then like doing all the work on our own getting all the api keys that we needed putting everything securely you know committing it to github we didn't even have to like we just logged into our twitter account through through uh, azure logic apps so yeah shout out to azure logic apps um again you can do the learn module at aka.ms it's currently may um but enough about 90s and early 2000 boy bands and logic apps and azure functions Brandon, we have a special special guest uh today yeah. i'm very very excited for the show um shall we bring them in absolutely let's welcome to the show ornella ornella hey. welcome to the show hi thanks so much for having me how is it going over in san francisco today it's going you know it's a really nice sunny day however i am sitting at my computer <laughs> That's right. But we are working. We are working. <laughs> Good employees. That's very important. <laughs> and you, for people who don't know your work or what you do on the team, let the lovely humans at home know uh, what you do here at Microsoft with us. Sure. Um, so I actually just recently started on the Cloud Advocate team. Um, so I'm working specifically in education advocacy and going to be focusing on developer tools because I worked on VS Code before and also a little bit of AI and ML. But we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm pretty new, so I get to choose my own adventure, and that's all very exciting. Ah, and you were working on a bunch of really cool VS Code stuff. I've actually learned a bunch of things on how to customize and uh, get really specific with how I want my VS Code looking, um, but where, like, tell us a little bit about, like, what you were doing before at Microsoft, before we get into your origin story journey <laughs> to Microsoft, of course. For sure. Um, so when I first started a couple years ago, I was actually a PM on HoloLens, um, on this little team that was building enterprise apps for the HoloLens, and that was really cool. Um, and then I switched over to content development and worked on VS Code and also Visual Studio. So I think what you're talking about, Chloe, are these set of videos that I made um, a little while ago where basically it's it's the whole intro series to how to get started with VS Code. Um, I think I have a link if you want to check them out. It's aka.ms slash hello VS Code. Thank you, Brandon. I forgot what it was. Um, but yeah, and there you'll see the video that Chloe was talking about, which is how to um, customize your themes and make VS Code really, really fun to look at. Yeah, I love all the like really, I love VS Code. I'm in it all the time, but I love when I can customize it and add cute little things like, you know, I'm going to say it, VS Code pets. <laughs> My favorite, favorite VS Code extension. Um, I've just been loving that it's, they've been open sourcing the whole thing. If you're not familiar, y'all, 
VS Code Pets, so cute. It's basically a Tamagotchi you can add to your VS Code instance. And if you're not following the folks who are building it and uh, <laughs> all out in the open and animating these cute characters online, they're these little 8-bit clippies and crabs and uh, highly recommend that content out there on the internet. <laughs> Very cute. Chloe and I love talking about VS Code Pets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the chat's going wild for VS Code Pets. <laughs> Got some big fans <laughs> here. <laughs> That's and well, I mean, who, who doesn't want that? Yeah, I have cat walking across the screen. The it's... little crab. What was his name? <laughs> Marcel or something? I think it's Marcel. very cute. Oh, man. People are probably screaming who are either listening or watching right now. Let us know if you remember the crab's name in the chat. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so most recently I was doing a lot of work over at VS Code and it's one of the other things I worked on is actually the release node. So if you've ever, you know, opened VS Code after a release and you got that really, really long document that popped up, um, I helped with that a lot. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I've never thought about like, I always think about the engineers who contributed to the release, but I never think about the actual people writing the release notes. Shout out to those people. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Very luckily we have a lot of help. So our, the whole process of VS code is that the engineers write about, you know, whatever the feature they made, which is so helpful. And then I kind of go back in and like, you know, ask them, why people actually want this and (laughs) what are the coolest (laughs) ways to use it. And so, I don't know, it forces me to think, you know, really intensely about all of the features. And I also get to play with them all, which is really fun. We Um, also got an answer to the crab's name. It is Ferris. Ferris. Ferris the crab. Thank (laughs) you, Squeaky. Yeah. And I think like, it's interesting having come to tech from a non-traditional background. I'm much more interested in release notes than I ever was like <laughs> 10 years ago. So even when I'm playing Animal Crossing now, I am very interested in the release notes because I want to know, okay, what has been updated? What can I look forward to? Like, I I love release notes as a feature now. I always just thought it was a lot of weird fine print and text that I'd have to click through. But shout out to release notes. Yeah. <laughs> I and think they I can be them. awesome. Yeah, I love them too. But um, there's this there's this trend going on, at least in the more in the mobile world, where the release notes will now just say like performance improvements and updates. It's like hmm. okay, but like I'm like give me the least, dirt, give me yeah. the detail. <laughs> like, I mean, let's be honest, not everybody's reading release notes, but I love them because it's like um, I kind of look at it like you get this free gift, like somebody made something. And they're giving it to you. And I'm like, ooh, like new presents. And um, kind of like digging through the release notes to see what what I got. And then it's, yeah, just Ornella. memory and performance improvements. Ornella, <laughs> come over here. Come over here. Ornella, I think for Christmas, we should like <laughs> print out all the release notes in a book. Give them to Brandon. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just picturing you like reading a, a like printed out newspaper release. We note. can like spiral bound it. <laughs> Give you a little highlighter on the side so you can. Brandon's hobbies just... include <laughs> and just deep diving into vintage release notes. I love this life for you and your retirement, Brandon. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Sitting on the rocking chair, drinking a nice cold glass of lemonade. <laughs> Reading those with these notes from Windows. Yelling at the kids in my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, Ornella, you have a really interesting path to Microsoft and into tech. Um, we always talk on this show kind of about folks' origin stories, how they ended up working at Microsoft or working in tech and you know, that that up and down journey that is not always the most clear. Uh, I know you have a really unique one. Would you like to tell us about it? Sure. Um, I think, you know, in the past couple of years, it's probably been a little less unique. But when it started, it was pretty weird. Um, so when I was a first year at Pomona College, which is where I went to undergrad, um, I thought I was going to major in environmental analysis. And on the first day of the intro class, I was sitting there and the professor was showing us what he called, you know, the the most fundamental video of environmental analysis ever. And then he showed us an aerial pan of the Grand Canyon for 15 minutes. And then the DVD broke. And then he told <laughs> us that we'd just have to imagine the rest. And I was sitting on my computer and I dropped the class as I was still sitting in the room. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's a big decision. At the time though, it seemed like so inconsequential. Like it was just like, I don't really want to be here. Um, I don't really think the classes that I take, you know, first semester of my first year actually matter. So like, whatever, no worries. And I think even before we got to school, they had us come up with a list of classes that we wanted to take during our time there based on like the catalog. And it was actually a really fun activity. And one of the ones for me was intro to CS because I just had heard so much about, you know, people being interested in computer science, but had literally no idea what it was. Um, I was on the robotics team in high school, which is a nerdy fun fact about me. I wish I had been on the robotics (laughs) team in high school. That sounds amazing. But I like led the business part of it. Like I just like didn't, I didn't actually care about the engineering of the robot. Like I just like wanted to, you know, I made like these cute little bow ties to raise money. (laughs) Anyways, it was, it was marketing. You're like, how does it scale? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I I had no interest really in engineering. And then I took this intro to CS class and my professors were three women. And I was just like so inspired by them. Um, Still in touch with them. They're really, really awesome. And then halfway into the semester, me and two of my friends we built like a uh, blood alcohol calcul- calculator app at the hackathon where every time you took a drink at a party, you push this huge red button that said drank and it would like calculate <laughs> it for you. <laughs> and then at a certain, if it passed like above a certain threshold, it would text, we use Twilio and it would like text your emergency contact with your location. I love this. Oh, cool. I love um, this very useful app. My dad would approve <laughs> of this app. This is great. Anyway, it was just like, it was such a joke. And then we ended up winning and we were so confused. And that is like really when I learned that if you win a college hackathon and have like even one semester of experience, like you can get a job. Like it was such a surprise. And then I got a job at a startup that summer um, coding. And it was just so strange. Like I never really saw it 
becoming a thing for me. And then it so quickly did. That's so interesting because, you know, I, I mentor a lot of folks who've gone to boot camps or who are students who are in college and they're always asking me, how do I get a job at Microsoft? How do I get a job at a startup? How do I get my first job? And you'll get a lot of different advice when you're first starting out. People will say, contribute to open source or like have a bunch of projects in your portfolio or, you know, do X, Y, Z. And there's no one formula, but one that I hear all the time is participate in hackathons. And that is a great, great way to get noticed and to have something on your resume to show for, especially when you have nothing on there. So um, I think that's so cool that you were able to kind of do that experience for fun and come out on the other end with a lot of opportunities and like a new found kind of interest. And it sounds like it was such a fun, playful app to build that you probably really enjoyed making it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think we were supposed to stay up all night and we didn't. You know, we were just like, oh, <laughs> this is cool. Well, I love and even in the comments here, uh, Mojo586 was asking, how do we get students excited about bots and AI? This sounds like a project yeah. that would get students excited about it. Add fun and entertainment, you know. We were talking about Azure Functions earlier. One of my very, very first projects with Azure Functions that I used to do a workshop of was a fake boyfriend app where it (laughs) was very similar to what Ornella was just talking about, using Azure Functions and the Twilio API to text your phone number or call your phone number at a conference or an event. And I would do these workshops and people would repurpose it. And I found that a lot of folks would like, you know, put fun spins on it, like a smash bot or a smash mouth, you know, Shrek version of the app or, (laughs) you know, like adding different silly pop culture references. So I'm of the school of sprinkle some fun into it. Like, you know, Azure functions may not be the most interesting thing for a student to hear, but what about Azure functions featuring the music of BTS? I don't know. What do kids like? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I remember when when I was in college, yeah, the, the fun assignments were drawn draw a triangle on the screen programmatically. Right. Using yeah. your console app. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, we made like Snake and like Space Invaders. Like that was really the one I still liked. Getting a CS degree was when we just made games. And then after that, it just got so boring. I think that's why I enjoy working with students because I do feel like there is a way to have a lot more fun and be playful because you have to be like to get students interested, especially in some of the more mundane basics of computer science. You have to make it appealing. But I like doing that with adults too, because I think we forget that adults like to have fun too, right? Like (laughs) when we're learning a new technology, it's a little bit more fun if it has some in-sync sprinkled into it. I think think the best way to get someone excited about computer science is to think about another interest that you have and then figure out a way to incorporate that into something you can make with coding. So like I realized in college that CS was not enough for me. Um, It, like I just alluded to, got really boring and I didn't really care about the theoretical stuff. Um, And so I took a double major in digital media studies. And that was really, really helpful because I got to both play with like the intersection of art and technology, but also... um, 
kind of understand why people use technology the way they do, which had like some, a little bit of sociology, but I thought that was really interesting. And so I think that's a a really good way to get people into coding is just to combine it with other things you're passionate about. Absolutely. That's, that's always my first recommendation. Anytime somebody's looking to get into code is like, yes, you're going to have to learn how to write the code. You have to learn JavaScript, C sharp and, frameworks but um what i what i found really helped me uh, especially when i was learning to make mobile apps was making a mobile app and making one you know it wasn't for work it was just something i was excited about uh it's it's still in the app store it's called pun day if anybody oh, enjoys yeah. puns um we don't publish new puns as much anymore but yeah we used to publish a new pun every monday but um <laughs> But yeah, I, and this all just came about because I was encouraged to do it by my manager at Xamarin at the time. And when I was thinking about it, I said, I was like, what what mobile app am I going to make? And I said, well, this guy's got a website called mondaypunday.com. I've been a big fan for years and I always wish he had an app. Maybe I'll make an app for him. And that's exactly how it started. And um, I was just so... And I was so passionate about it, so consumed with it that all my nights and weekends, I couldn't wait to get done with work to get into this code. And (laughs) and yeah, I learned so much just by going through it and doing it Um, because, you know, you can you can read a book, you can read documentation. But really, until you kind of get or at least for me, until I get my hands on it um, and really use it in an app, uh, that's where I really start to become knowledgeable and learn that expertise. So yeah, I always recommend that to anybody learning anything new is um, like, what what can you make? So you're going to be learning these skills. Do you want to make a website about blank and uh, fill in the blank, you know, um, let, and let's, let's, let's make that website, even though you know nothing about learning to code right now and nothing about websites, we'll figure it out along the way. I think I've always, maybe because I'm just more of a left brain, I coming from the creative world type person, I was that weirdo in my boot camp when I was going through all the demos and examples of like zooming in CSS animations using like a cartoon image from of a sloth or something. Like <laughs> I feel like I cannot learn without those fun elements to it. So I, I'm right there with y'all. Like if I'm enjoying myself – then I'm tricking my brain into learning. And like, that's what I love to see. I think TikTok is really cool for this. I sound very old, but like seeing a <laughs> lot of content from younger generation folks who are using computer science, who are using things like bots or machine learning in particular. There was a really cool TikTok that I saw of a person who had done machine learning on drag queen images to do predictions of what, you know, what a computer thinks a drag queen looks like. So based on off of trading data. And um, also one of our coworkers, a cloud advocate, shout out to Amy, Amy Boyd, has a really, really great machine learning blog and tutorial and talk that she used to give on using the data from the popular reality show Love Island, which is very popular (laughs) over where she is, to uh, predict different outcomes. So I think however you can put something modern and applicable to it, it's way more interesting and relevant for just not only just students, but any kind of learner to be like, oh, that seems really cool. Like, you know, 
an Amazon Dash button is cool, but what about a fake boyfriend app using Amazon? <laughs> sounds like party. <laughs> totally. If you haven't already checked out the VS Code TikTok, you should. It's really, Ooh. really funny. Okay, the tell us what's just going VS on Code. over there. <laughs> oh, so much. Um, well, I haven't checked it out in a while. I decided to delete TikTok from my phone for personal um reasons because <laughs> I was spending so much time just like in the depths and Sea shanties or <laughs> like literally everything. Skincare. They were really getting me down the skincare rabbit hole. Um the power you know, of like, the algorithm. Yeah, like all these like girls Zara hauls. Like literally I, I just it was too much. I was buying so many things because I saw them on TikTok. That was like the number one problem. <laughs> That's how they get you. Yeah. So, um, what have we been doing there? We just started like duetting people on TikTok, which is really, really fun. Um, and we were doing a little bit of a series around, um, like day in the life of different roles at Microsoft. So I did one for content development. Um, I think I even made a release TikTok for one of the releases where I like talked about all the new features. Um, but yeah, there's there's a big team of people working on it, and it's it's just really fun. We get to share ideas and chat about TikTok all the time. I love that. <laughs> I've yet to like dip my toe into TikTok proper. People send me a lot of TikToks, but I think I'm scared to add it to my phone because no one will. Uh, ever you should see be. Again. You should be. And I hear Broadway TikTok is. <laughs> I, I almost got sucked in for Ratatouille the Musical. We've, of course, discussed this on the show oh many a time. But, um, yeah, like it's – there's so much weird, interesting rabbit holes to go down of interests that I have never even thought of before. <laughs> yeah. My mom has started using TikTok. And I think like whatever cleaning TikTok has really sucked her <laughs> in because it will be like – five ways to get your pots brain spanking new and she'll like send me <laughs> she just like sends me all of them in text every day and i'm like are you trying to send a message like what's going on here like i already well, cleaned all my pots mom <laughs> good i need to check out the vs code tiktok though that sounds like content maybe i'll just subscribe to vs code tiktok <laughs> well it's the thing is it's not really about what you follow it's about the for you page that's oh. where the algorithm gets you scrolling for two hours you know <laughs> so yeah. you mentioned your art interest do you get to yeah. kind of combine any of your art with the tech stuff that you do nowadays so one of the reasons I was really excited about this role that I'm in right now is because I'm hoping to do that more. Um, I really haven't gotten a chance at work, but some things, I think the coolest thing I've worked on was probably my college thesis, which is a while ago now. So it's kind of lame that I'm still talking about it, but um, that was like, so I did an immersive art installation and then I like coded it. So it was just like a really fun way to do the intersection of art and technology. So explain this piece. This sounds so cool. Yes. Like, Okay. I tried to find a photo and I couldn't find one. But basically, you walk into a room and there's like three projections on the walls that you're facing, um, one on each. 
And so basically it tells the story of my family's um, kind of like leaving the country where they were born and eventually settling in America. And so my mom tells the story um, and it's all, everything that you hear and see is in Russian if you just stand kind of like on the outskirts of the room. But then as you walk closer to the projections, um, there's motion sensors in the room and they flip to English. And so kind of like the the message I was going for was like, if you don't engage with people who are different um, from you, then you won't really ever get to understand them. And I think that was a pretty powerful message. So break down, this is so interesting because digital art is feels like such a new space, right? Like yeah. there's like only really a handful of people who can understand the logistics of technology and what's capable with it and then like be able to build that. So with these two degrees that you got, or I guess two emphases that, that you did, what's the process of making a piece like that? Like how did you, how does one create something like that? <laughs> yeah. So I took this random such a bizarre class in college um, about robots, but like specifically robots related to the environment. And anyway, we learned how to program um, Arduinos using this programming language called processing, which is actually really, really cool. And I would highly recommend it to beginners. Um, It's kind of like a like watered down Java with like, it's just so much easier to learn. And um that's how I learned to do like kind of like the motion sensor stuff. And um, yeah, basically had to just program the Arduinos to flip the video like reels um, to the other like video content that was the file that was uploaded um, when the motion sensor was triggered. Wow. It's like literally just an if then statement. So actually not that difficult, Um, but there's a lot of like really, really large scale immersive installations now. Like um, I think Chloe, I was talking to you about team lab or something and team lab. What a cool, like if anybody ever gets the chance to go to a team lab exhibit, I got to see one in San Jose a couple years ago. I think it's currently in Japan. Um, Mm. What a fantastic you know, intersection of art and tech. Like we we see a little bit of it on stage and theater, but when you're able to actually touch and draw and move and have different lights and projections and screens interact with you, what a treat, what a dream. Yeah, so I think stuff like that is really, really awesome and will become um, more pervasive because it's really easy to make like large scale public art in that way. Um, Someone who really inspires me is one of my friends that I went, I met at Pomona. Um, her name is Maya Mann and she's like a creative technologist and she just made this awesome like NFT art thing. Um, and she's always making really, really cool stuff, but yeah, I think she's high on the list of people that inspire my interest and, um, have cool stuff going on. That's like a really interesting point about like art is so relevant in tech right now with NFTs. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I, I think 
They're working on it. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> I, I guess as an artist, I think of it as I understand putting value behind something on the internet, but but who? But why? Like why? Why so? Why so much? I don't know. But I do love memes, so I go back and forth on it, y'all. Like, <laughs> do yeah, I want to own mean- a meme? <laughs> I think there's something cool about it in terms of like democratizing the ability to own a piece of art. Um, I mean, that's something that's just like outside of the realm of possibility for so many people. And so NFTs kind of open that door in a way that is pretty new. Um, But I'm also someone who's really conscious about sustainability and it is Ah. tough to hear. the impacts of, you know, mining all of the Ethereum, but I think they're working on it. And I think it could be a really, really cool thing once they figure out that piece of the puzzle. Once they figure it out, I'm going to look into getting the NFT for the Ikea monkey original image. (laughs) I thought you were going to say Clippy. Oh, maybe that too. (laughs) That gets complicated because it's not a, can an NFT, does it have to be a still image or can it be like a gift? No, I think it can be a gift. What is the statute of limitations with sentient paperclips come to life? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look into this. <laughs> We're in uncharted territory here. All good questions. It's your own path. Yeah. There, <laughs> there are rumors on the internet that Chloe is Clippy. And <laughs> all I know is I've never seen Chloe and Clippy in the same room at the same time. Good point. I mean... <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, I love this. I love that, like, you have come, like, your degree had two very different sides to it, right? Like, the very creative side of things and the very, like, deeply technical piece of things. And the way that you're able to incorporate that now into what you do is really fun. I think that's really good inspiration too for folks who are tuning in who may be students or getting started in their uh, student journey and maybe going to a class and not being afraid to go, you know what, (laughs) this isn't for me. I think I'm not going to pursue this. Um, I think that's a very mature thing to be able to come to realize right there in the room. Do you have any advice for students or for, you know, learners who who maybe come to that crossroads and decide to to make a a change like that on their focus yeah yeah i mean i think my view on things is that um in order to find out what you like you have to do a lot of things that you don't like first i love that um and so i personally feel as though if i'm learning something like a new skill that's interesting to me, or if I'm growing something like being pushed out of my comfort zone in some way, then the work that I have done is not for nothing, even if I didn't really enjoy doing it. And I think it's it's really, really hard to find your passion. Um, I can't say that I've figured that out for myself. Um, I think it's impossible, but I do think it's really possible to do something that you're growing in and learning new skills in and can kind of figure out whether you like it or not, if that makes sense. So I think um, 
you know, there's something to be said about every experience that you have in your academic journey or in your career journey. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the perfect one or the best one in order to still get something worthwhile out of it. One of my favorite quotes is from the musical, of course, from the musical, (laughs) and Cinderella says, how do you know what you want till you get what you want and you see if you like it? And I feel like that's such just great advice to to even think about because how do you know if you like something like you could dream your whole entire life that you want to be a zookeeper and then you finally <laughs> get to work with animals and you're like I am allergic to elephants I cannot do this totally <laughs> <laughs> and I love keeping that in mind especially um for any folks out there who are starting their tech journey or maybe thinking they want to pursue something else what's really cool about the tech industry is Technology is changing all the time. So you can work on machine learning for a while and then think, you know what? Like, this is really cool. Now I want to work on this new area of study. So that's what makes me so, so excited about, like, you being vulnerable with sharing that with with the, you know, (laughs) that you can go into a class and go, this is not for me. Like, (laughs) totally. Especially when the stakes are high and you're like... (laughs) Should I change my major? How do I do this? It's never too I don't late. know. Are they though? Like, I, <laughs> I don't I take anything that, that seriously. Um, <laughs> I love that point about um, not knowing what you want until you've gotten it. Because uh, I was just thinking back. I don't know if, if you saw the, the movie Soul, the new Pixar movie. Oh, yes. Uh, I haven't seen it. Love it. Highly recommend it. Um, but let's see. Not, not to give away too much. But the the passion of the main character is he's a he's a pianist and he just wants to um, he wants to be the best piano player and he wants to play in the best nightclubs and he's just been struggling to get there his whole life and then part of the journey is you know, once he gets there he just kind of looks around and goes so what's next and they say. We come back tomorrow night and we do it all over again. And it kind of <laughs> hits him that he he finally got what he wants, but he's not sure if it's what he actually wanted all along. And I've been in that same situation. It's like, wow, like I've worked my whole life just to get this. Uh, but now what? It's like, we just keep going. <laughs> it's like, so, um, so yeah, even, even if you do have those goals, even um, even once you get there, Things can absolutely change, and that's okay. There's there's no failure in that. It's all all good things. And yeah, you know, I I love the quote from Thomas Edison that said, after he spent years trying to figure out how to make a light bulb, um, he said, "We didn't we didn't have ten thousand failures. We just found ten thousand ways that didn't work, and we were learning along the entire way. And but now we have the light bulb. So." Yeah, we're always learning. Um, there's going to be failures along the way. Sometimes you get what you were aspiring for. And it turns out it's not what you actually wanted. But yeah, you just keep going. That's kind of the fun in, in life. Yeah, totally. I feel really grateful to be in a role now, though, where I get to explore kind of like some intersections of both art and also like other parts of, um, I would say, I'd call it the humanities. Um, like a more interdisciplinary approach to technology, I find to be really useful. Um, something I just worked on recently 
was this blog post about how to use GitHub for not code things, um, which I think a lot of people overlook because, you know, it's such a developer tool. Like it's really meant for you to collaborate on code. And so um, one of my coworkers and I, Dimitri, we wrote this blog post about how to use GitHub to collaborate on research papers. And people just, I think, are intimidated by, you know, the technology. But at the end of the day, it really is just version control. And it's so helpful for so many different things. Yeah. And Dimitri does a lot of really cool stuff with art and totally. technology as well. Shout out to our coworker, Dimitri. Um, that was some of the first examples I saw uh, here using Microsoft things of art and machine learning. Some really cool stuff. <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and for anybody listening along, uh, you can find this at aka.ms slash github for the number four research. And that'll take you right to the blog post where Ornella has links to everything, everything you'll need to know to get into it. Yeah, also a link to Dimitri's website if you want to check out his cool experiments. Yes. And we have to make sure, uh, we did tease on Twitter that we would have <laughs> a special guest cameo on the show right. um, of the canine variety, I believe. <laughs> is that true? It is true. Yeah. Let cool. me just go grab. For anybody who is um, listening to the podcast right now, you do have to go to our website, 8bits.tv, and look at the episode page for the show because the screen cap that we got for this episode is one of the best screenshots I think I've ever seen. He's mid-lick in this uh, image here. <laughs> so we'll say welcome back to the show. Is that Tucker? There's the place there. There it is. Perfect timing. We got a yawn. We got a dog This yawn. is Franklin. And he's a very good boy. Are you a good boy? He makes a lot of noises. <laughs> did you get Franklin during the pandemic? I did. Franklin is a COVID adoption and he keeps me company every single day. Um, oh, wait. Here's his, here he goes. <laughs> there's a lot of yawning a lot of sighing we're not really sure what's so bad in his life that he needs to sigh all the time but um yeah franklin's from a local rescue in san francisco called muttville and they only um have senior dogs at the rescue and it's a really really great place basically you can like tell them you know exactly what kind of dog that you're looking for and then all of these like senior volunteers um, will match you with a dog that they think will be perfect for you. And they're all so cute. It's like mutt matchmaking. Exactly. <laughs> I so feel great. like I, I just gave a keynote uh, last Friday at an Animal Crossing conference where I said, I feel like I have my life together in Animal Crossing, not so much in real life. The idea of having to take care of a dog in addition to myself during the pandemic feels like quite a lot. How has it been to have <laughs> a new animal during all of this? Uh, I guess it's a great year for dogs, right? Staying at home with the dog all day. Oh, yeah. It's a fantastic year for Franklin. Um, I think, you know, one of the best things about adopting a senior dog is that they just sleep most of the day. 
Um, But the really special thing about Franklin is that whenever you say the word W-A-L-K, he (laughs) gets so jazzed up. He's so ready to go. Um, And I think that's actually been one of the better parts about quarantine is that I always have an excuse to go outside. I always have someone to go for a walk with, you know, like all the memes about like the stupid little daily walk and stuff like mine isn't mine is really fun because I get to have Franklin and he only likes um, food and people. He doesn't like other dogs. So he's made a lot of enemies around the mean streets of San Francisco, but people still love him because he's cute. So I just did the math in my head and it sounds like you onboarded to our team during the pandemic. What was it like to join a new team remotely? And you've probably not met a lot of your teammates in person, right? Yeah, exactly. I think Chloe and Brandon, you guys might be the only people I've met in person. (laughs) And that was, I feel almost just happen chance because... Back in the day when we were still in the office, um, we just happened to sit near each other in the Microsoft office. (laughs) I showed up one day and they were like, who is this? What are you doing here? And then fast forward to a year later and we're all on the same team. So that's a happy accident. Um, You know, I feel like having had some time to adapt to remote work, it's not that bad. Um, You know, we're, we're not really seeing people in person. So it's a lot easier to keep doing that than to have to like just freshly start that and also join a new team at the same time. Um, I also think, you know, at Microsoft, everyone kind of knows everyone or like knows someone who knows someone. And so it's really lovely to just get introduced to a lot of awesome people when you join a new team. Um, So I don't think it's been that bad, but it's definitely hard to like, you know, collaborate to like the fullest extent um, online. But I think we're, we're all getting the hang of it because it's been so long. I always just put my team into together mode whenever I can <laughs> to feel like we're all hanging out together just to get the feeling that we're shoulder to shoulder, you know? <laughs> it's it's funny. I, uh, yeah, and, and for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, uh, Microsoft Teams, the the video chat, app and it has this thing called together mode where (laughs) they'll i assume they're using some sort of ai machine learning but they'll take everybody's video feed cut out your background behind you and then place everybody in a room or in a theater together they do it for like major league baseball (laughs) and like i've seen it like a lecture hall (laughs) yeah that's right uh the nba when the nba was doing the bubble and fans couldn't attend in person they showed them in together mode and you know when it first came out because if memory serves it came out well before the pandemic started i think so yeah yeah i remember seeing it i was like well that's like cool but super cheesy i'm probably never gonna use it and then a couple weeks couple months in the pandemic i just hadn't seen people and so it was always using together mode. It's like, look, we're all hanging out together. <laughs> it's the best way to yeah. take a group picture. It's the only way to take a group picture totally. as far as I'm concerned that doesn't look like the Brady Bunch. And it has now become a staple meme for me whenever I see a group 
photo that either looks like a class photo or just like people posing with each other. I'm like, oh, it's me in together mode in Teams. <laughs> so, Ornella, um, in the comments, we had a question about what are what are some of the tips for folks onboarding virtually? Great question. Um, really, the number one tip I have is to meet with every single person on your team. Um, whether they're the same role as you, a different role as you, like um, any any person that you're going to either interact with a lot or interact with a little bit just to get to know. And it doesn't have to be like a, a business conversation. Like obviously it's helpful to know what their role is and how you might interact. But I don't know. I feel like in this period of time where we're all like at home, like it's great to know if they have pets or you know, if they're like little kid is going to be in the um, video frame or like what they like to cook for dinner, you know, it's, it's just a really good way to get to know people. And I feel like it's a lot of like the water cooler conversations that we're used to in the office that aren't really happening anymore. Um, I think just getting to know people is the number one thing. And then you have all these people who are so ready to help you when you're working on something and you don't know who to ask. Like my person, Chloe, who I teams message 50 times a day. <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. Onboarding from afar, you know, life has changed in the last year, really, uh, over a year. But it used to be you could kind of like lean over or tap someone on the shoulder and ask them a question or ask them while you're having yeah. a, a coffee or a snack. But I love that advice of, of reaching out to everyone and asking for help because how do people know what you need help with if you don't ask? Yeah. Yeah. And I also just um I found it brings back that almost that moment of serendipity where you know back mm -hmm. in the office we could just we'd be chatting and you kind of stumble into something you didn't really expect. So something where it's like, oh yeah, you know, I've been working on this all day and somebody else will chime in like, oh, I've been doing that for years and like right. how can I help? Or here's a really cool blog post that I found on it that's super helpful. And um, yeah, having those one-on-one -on -one meetings, I, I just had one, uh, this is with, there's a, uh, a new member of the Azure notification subs team and yeah, just chatting about what I do, what she's doing, what she's looking to do with the product. And, um, we just stumbled upon a couple of collaborations and with the new version of .NET 6 coming out, like how can we have. Azure Notification Hub samples for what we're calling .NET Maui, and you know we're and we're gonna do it. But it would just never would have happened if she didn't put just a thirty minute video chat on my calendar, and I'm I'm so glad she did. Totally, yeah. yeah I think the other tip is asking people what they want help working on, and I would not recommend this in non onboarding times because otherwise you'll just get a bunch of people asking you to do stuff. Um, but when you're trying to <laughs> learn about the space and the people, I think one of the best things you can do is like collaborate with someone on a project um, because you're learning a process as well as like about the product. So I think that has been really helpful for me too. I think I made this joke to you the other day, Ornella, but <laughs> you know, those bots that go on to your Instagram all the time and they're like DM for a collab. Oh yeah. <laughs> I always love, I hate those bots, but I love the idea of if you just make your own content and put it on your own Twitter or blog or whatever, it just goes out to whoever already follows you. But I love collabing 
with people, not in the Instagram sense, but because then you not only learn something from each other, but like that whole audience gets to take a look at what you're doing as well. So it's been so cool to see all the fun things you're working on and collabing with. (laughs) I've been DMing to collab every day. (laughs) (laughs) If people want to check out all your upcoming collabs, where can they find you on the interwebs? Um, I think the best place would probably be Twitter. Um, My handle is Ornella.com. You can see it in my little name tag here. I'll spell Um, that. So (laughs) D-O-T-C-O-M. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I tweet about many other things, not really about tech, but if I do have a new piece of content or I am working on something cool, I will also tweet it there. And there's lots of Franklin photos. So exciting. Come to the text, stay for the Franklin photos. (laughs) Giving the people what they want. (laughs) I love that. And what is up next for Ornella? What are you What are you going to be uh, working on and sharing with the lovely people? Will it be a Franklin Bone fetching Twilio app? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, I'm definitely going to make a live cam of him. Ooh, yes, he really just stays in his bed, but then he'll burrow sometimes, and it's it's really fun to watch. Um, I'm working with some people on the team on an intro to machine learning learn module. Um, And what else? Some other stuff that I'm not remembering right now, but I think that's the most exciting thing because I don't really know machine learning and it's a really fun learning opportunity for me um, and getting to know how we make the content. So much fun. Absolutely. Can't wait for all the upcoming collabs. (laughs) (laughs) Chloe, we're going to do something weird. Oh, we're going to collab. <laughs> it's going to happen. Maybe we'll do a Franklin bot. Stay tuned, everyone. <laughs> That's right. Follow, follow Ornella on Twitter to see when it drops. Yes. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Ornella. That is all the time that we have for today. But until next week, y'all, the countdown Thanks to build begins. And... We cannot wait to see all the awesome things that you're going to be doing here on the team. Thanks so much for having me. See you guys in the office someday. (laughs) See you in teams. Next week. (laughs) Bye.